0: Welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson, and you're in the Fatherhood. As a new member of the hood, my goal is to use this podcast as a platform to talk about my journey as a new father. Part therapeutic, part informative, part educational. My goal is to talk about everything, from adjusting to getting no sleep, to changing diapers, to just hoping I get everything right. This podcast will be a space to share with you the joys, challenges, and fears of being a first-time father. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson. This is episode 10. Um, Just want to take a moment to acknowledge that, you know, I started this podcast with no real plan. You know, I just wanted to just talk about what it felt like to be a new dad and just use this as a platform to share with you the emotions and some of the feelings I was experiencing once Emory arrived. But here we are 10 episodes in uh, and I have a little bit of a better idea of what I want this to be. you know, One thing I promised myself uh, in starting this was that I was at least gonna try to be consistent. And so far, so good. But I wanna thank you all for listening. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for telling your friends and family about it. Um, I really appreciate the support from the listeners. Got a lot of DMs, texts, um, Facebook messages about the show. And I just really appreciate your support and I hope that you continue to give me that support as I build this show. Um, As always, make sure you leave a rating and review and follow me on social media. Just launched a new Instagram page at The Fatherhood Podcast. Like the page on Facebook, The Fatherhood Podcast, and make sure you also just follow me on my regular pages on IG and Twitter at Jamar Hudson. Uh, Young Emery turned three months um, last week, and he started daycare, and this is a big step. Uh, any parent you know, of, of a child knows that that, that first day of day, daycare is, is huge and a big day for, for both parents. You know, we were fortunate enough to find an outstanding facility um, at the recommendation of one of my classmates from Hampton. So we're really thankful for that. So we dropped him off on Monday and, you know, it was a, a really exciting day for me. I get up, you know, fix his clothes, uh, take all the pictures and stuff like that. So I can send him to grandma and granddad. And, you know, get him in his car seat and we're, we're off to the daycare. Sharice and I, you know, dropped him off on his first day. So as we were leaving, I happened to look over and noticed that, you know, Sharice had some tears in her eyes. And I, I just, you know, it was unexpected for me because here I am excited for Emery's first day of school. And I think the reality of 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 him making this transition just was very sentimental uh for her. Um but later on in that day, that day when we got a picture of, of him from the facility, him smiling and enjoying himself, I think that, that made her um, relax a little bit. So, again, yeah, this is a big step. It's an, another, another step in the process, another part of the new normal that I talked about in episode one. So we're excited about his development as he transitions in, into daycare. And I'll keep you guys posted on how that goes. You know, every year I try to to set goals for myself and I make sure that I write them down so I can hold myself accountable throughout the year. And when I set my goals for for 2019, I wrote down that I wanted to run five official races this year. And my first one is actually coming up in less than a month doing the Rock and Roll Marathon half marathon uh, here in DC. And many of you may know that running has become a major part of my life and it's funny because if you had told me 10 years ago that I would be running on, on a regular basis, you know, I would laugh at you. Uh, but about six years, I started running, you know, I would see my friends doing it and I see people I follow on social media getting to running. So I just started doing it casually and and slowly but surely, it became a major part of my life. You know, I did it for for mental health, just get out there and run four or five miles here and there just to be able to check out and disconnect from the the stresses um, of the day and this has definitely been a big help for me you know but for as much as I was starting to get in those miles on a regular basis you know my eating was trash you know I would you know run my miles and then go eat something bad so everything I was doing was was really for naught because the two essentially were canceling each other out and I remember going to the doctor for my annual checkup and my doctor basically saying if I don't make some changes by the time I reach 40, I'm going to be in some, in, in some, some serious trouble. So around that time, Sharice, you know, who was my girlfriend at the time, we started the Whole30 together. This was the, the popular diet uh, around that time. And that, that was my turning point. Um, did that successfully, lost about 15 to 20 pounds. And that was the beginning of me making healthy eating a part of a part of my everyday lifestyle. And by no means, you know, am I perfect. I definitely indulge here and there. But my thinking is if I can be 80-20, you know, eating healthy while continuing to exercise regularly, I'll be in pretty good shape and my body will definitely thank me. But I just didn't want to be like so many uh, men, especially black men I know who ate like trash all their lives and didn't incorporate any type of fitness practices. And now they find themselves in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and popping pills, having to go to the doctor all the time, having to stick needles in themselves. And we, we all know people. We all have relatives who are like this, people in our church, in our community. And we, we see it. And it's, it's become a norm, but it shouldn't be. Um, and I don't want that. You know, I want to do the best job I can to, to be in control of my body so I can live my best life physically and set an ex- example for my son. You know, going back to legacy, I talked with Dr. Sean Willie in episode two. You know that is part of our legacy as well. As much as we talk about, you know, general generational wealth, generational health should be just as, if not more, important um, than our generational wealth. And there are too many, you know, black men falling ill and dying in their 40s and 50s, and we want to break those curses. We should be making lifestyle decisions for our health both physical and mental, that put us in position to live long and prosperous lives and break these curses of bad health practices that have been, quite honestly, accepted as a norm for years. So I'm going to take a little break, um, but we're going to talk more about generational health uh, coming up after this little short break I'm going to take. But I do want to just acknowledge uh, the birthday of Trayvon Martin, who would have turned 24 uh, this week. That still is something that stings um, and just hurts just to think about him and how his life was cut short. But I did want to acknowledge that. But uh, we're going to take a little break, and we'll talk more about generational health. I'm Jamar Hudson, and this is The Fatherhood. So we're talking about generational health today on Episode 10 and how important it is for us as fathers to make diet and exercise a part in our lives. And I'm committed to doing so. And I challenge my fellow fathers out there to do the same. And it's not just for us. It's the, the choices we are making um, to, quite frankly, you know, be around for our kids and family. And it's essential that we take care of our mind, um, body, and soul. And I've watched my next guest as he's been uh, working to improve his health, and it's been great to watch uh, his progression over the last couple of years. And Paul Bromley joins me now. He's a fellow Heptonian, a lawyer, outstanding writer, and cultural commentator. But most importantly, he is an outstanding husband and father. Paul, welcome to the fatherhood. Jamal, how's it going, man? It's good, man. Again, again, welcome. We're glad glad to have you. We're talking about generational health uh, today, Paul. Uh, before we get into that, just, you know, ask all my fathers, just tell them a little bit about your family.
1: Yeah, so um, I met my wife, Danielle, um, at Hampton uh, University. Uh, we actually met <clears throat> probably, I would say, our freshman year. Um, our first <coughs> interaction, she, like, completely ignored me. It was completely unimpressed by me um and that just i was smitten at that point <laughs> um you know and yeah. we actually we we didn't even talk or whatever but we i think we reconnected i want to say maybe like our sophomore year she was having a party i um, at her house at our apartment and we reconnected um she was actually the bartender at the party um and you know i've just never seen a woman uh, know how to appropriately mix and hennessey um, <laughs> the way that she did. We drank a lot of Hennessy, a lot of Alizé, and now we're yeah, married. Um, and we have two beautiful kids. Um, we have son, Kestin. He's uh, he's three. He's everything that you would imagine a three-year-old boy to be. Um, he's just as outspoken as I am. He's just as defiant as his mom is. <laughs> um, and we have a nine-month-old daughter uh, named Yara. Um, she is so sweet um she you know it's it's great to watch her uh grow and learn and you know we're just a little it's a little family we're just we're just starting out um you know and we're just enjoying the ride man
0: you know i just i just got a headache thinking about that thug passion so yeah just yeah never forget though
1: absolutely absolutely
0: <laughs> I, I do it now. I'm, I'm not you
1: know i was 19 then at now I, I stick to red wine and water, man. There you go, man.
0: <laughs> so, Paul, tell me what does being a father mean to you? Oh, um, responsibility. Um, I think that's the first like word that comes
1: to mind when I think of fatherhood. You know, um, you know, throughout life, you're always responsible for someone, even if it's just being responsible for yourself. But you know, when you have kids, it's just like it's a it's a it's a different level of responsibility. Like I am in charge of shaping and cultivating the minds of two impressionable blank slates, you know? Um, and my life just feels like it's about something that's so much bigger than myself. You know, I've, I've always, you know, thought highly of myself and, you know, cared about myself and things of that nature. But I've just never imagined that, you know, I could love two little people the way that I love those two kids and love someone um, you know, outside of my wife, of course, you know, more than, you know, I even love myself, you know? So that's what I think about, I Just think about responsibility and just pushing myself every day to be better
0: um, for them. Awesome, man. And going back to, you know, talking about when you first met Danielle and, you know, back back in those college days, looking back and, and to your transformation from then to now, um, how would you say, Paul, that fatherhood has changed you and uh, your approach to life?
1: I am much more intentional um, in what I say. Anybody who knows me knows that my mouth is a a, a loose cannon. (laughs) Um, um, When I was younger, uh, you know, it was, it was worse. (laughs) Um, But I think Mm -hmm. that now I I try to be, like I said, much more intentional about what I say, why I say it, especially with my kids and in front of my kids, um, because they are watching me, especially my son, Um, Because he's older, you know, I can really see him, you know, imitating things that I say, things that I do, Um, you know, so I just, I certainly try to be much more intentional about those things. Um, I also try to, um, you know, be much more responsible. Um, Even little things like road rage, um, you know, like I try not to. You know, before, like, if someone cuts you off or something or if someone does something crazy on the road, you know, when you don't have anyone to worry about about yourself, like, you know, you might, like, say something to them or honk your horn or anything. But, yeah. you know, I think about now, like, if I'm in the car with my kids or now not even with, in the car with my kids, you know, you never know when those types of situations can turn to something else and you might, you know, you may not be here, you know, so you just have to be, you know, mindful of, you know, things of that nature. I just think about, I think about them before I think about myself. Um, so I think that that's the way that, that's the most prominent way that I, I think that being a father has changed uh, the way that I approach life. I put I, I think about them before I think about my own ego, my own pride, um, and I just always try to put them um, at the forefront of my mind before I make any decisions or before I, before I do anything. I'm constantly thinking about my kids, man.
0: It's interesting you brought that up, Paul, because the, the driving thing, that's one of the little things that you have to adjust uh, once you become a parent. And I know, you know, when I'm by myself, I tend to, you know, go a little faster, you know, that road rage would kick in. But, you know, when I when when Emory is in the car, I'm, I'm much slower. I'm in that right lane. I don't let somebody cutting me off, you know, yeah. get to me as much as it would if I'm in the car by myself. So that's one of those little things that, that you don't really think about that you have to adjust once you become a a parent. That's one of the things that I definitely have noticed that I'm more conscious of when I'm behind the wheel, um, especially when he's in the car. Yeah, uh, Talking to Paul Bromley on the, on the fatherhood today, Paul, as a father now, looking back, who are some father figures from you growing up? And how do you think uh, those figures shape the type of father you are today? Hmm.
1: <clears throat> OK. Um, well, my father
0: and I do not have
1: a good relationship. Um, we actually mm-hmm. never have, and it's interesting because most people who have that story, you know, had a father who was not active or not around in their lives. Um, my father, I know my father very well. He was around quite often. I saw him very often. My parents were divorced, um, but he wasn't in our—he wasn't in our home, uh, but he lived nearby. So I definitely grew up with him and his influence around me. Um, but in my situation, it would actually have been better for him than to have not been around. <laughs> Um, you know, so I think that, you know, uh, I learned from watching how he treated me and treated my brother and treated, you know, his family members and, you know, my mother, and my brother. You know, and I think that it's sad to say, but I think that I watched him and I learned every way that I didn't want to be. Um, and mm-hmm. so I, I use that barometer to measure, you know, for myself at times. You know, I try to give my kids things that I didn't have. And I'm not talking about like material things, but emotionally, you know, I try to tell my, especially my son, I try to tell him every day that I love him. Um, I try to give him, you know, I give him hugs, I give him kisses, I'm affectionate with him. That wasn't something that my father, excuse me, really was with myself and my brother or my sister for that matter. Um, you know, <clears throat> so I try to, you know, tell him I love him. I try to, when he does small things, I try to tell him that I'm proud of him. I try to teach him the importance of, of hard work um, I try not to get angry. I try not to raise my voice. and It's really tough. You'll see, Jamar, as, as little Emery gets a little bit bigger, you know, when he gets those twos and threes. you know, Sometimes it gets a little tough to not, like, you know, raise your voice. But I try to tr- I try to be mindful of those things because I know the impact of, you know, having a negative uh, male energy around you, especially as a male. Um, you know, can impact you later on in life or, or impact you as you go through life. So I certainly try to be that way with him. Um, with my daughter, you know, I think about, you know, people say this all the time, but like if you, you have to look at yourself and say, you know, if your daughter brought home a man who was like you, would you, you know, that she was dating, would you be, would you be okay with that? You know, and that's something that I think about all the time, especially in how I treat my wife and, you know, how I talk to her, um, and even, mm-hmm. you know, how I how I treat my daughter, how I teach my son how to treat his mother as a woman and how to treat his sister in sharing and things of that nature, how to be respectful, how to, you know, things of that nature, um, you know, be, just being that type of example for her. And she's little. But, you know, but I know that these things are going to, you know, shape you know, the type of man if she chooses to be with the man. Later on, whatever, you know, if she, whatever type of partner she's going to choose, it could influence the way that I am, could influence who she's with later on in the future. So I just want to make sure that I'm the type of um, man that I would want my son to be and emulate and the type of man that I want my daughter um, to pursue if she cho- chooses to, to date a man. Um, and if I, I come from a family of, of men um, who, you know, have, have children, who are married, and all the men in my family, you know, take care of you know, take care of their kids. And and I mean, I don't mean just the bare minimum, you know, I wouldn't say, I I can't necessarily call them quote unquote father figures, but I can say that I I certainly, I know that the, that one of the responsibilities of a husband and of a father is to take care of your kids and to take care of your wife. And that's something that that, those are examples that I've seen. Um, And I guess if I had to use one other positive, super positive father figure, not even a father figure, but just a role model, someone that I've watched, um, even from a not know them personally, but I think Will Smith um, is a great example of a father. Um, he's someone that I've watched in that he seems to, you know, a lot of people have a lot of things to say about his kids, but one thing that I've noticed anyway, at least from whatever it is that they present to the public, it seems like he's raised his kids to be free thinkers um, not in the Kanye way, let me just be very clear, but, you know, he's raised his kids to, you know, be individuals. Um, it doesn't seem like he's, a lot of people, especially in our community, like when you're a kid, is to be seen and not heard, and they feel like, you know, people. some people feel like the number one priority or goal of being a parent is to teach your kids and have having obedient and disciplined kids, which I think is important, but I think it's also more important to raise kids to be fully formed and actualizing uh, adults and human beings and able to think for themselves and act for themselves and identify themselves in the way that they choose to identify themselves and to have opinions um, and things of that nature. So that's someone that I definitely have, you know, watched at, as a father um, and someone who's in in a in a way I would I would want to emulate um, as a father.
0: You know, one of the things you brought up, Paul, is setting a good example for your kids. And, and that kind of want to transition to the, our topic for today. And part of setting a good example is practicing good good health and wellness practices. And you, you've made a conscious effort, Paul, in the past couple of years to improve your health. I want you to take our listeners through that process. What led you to commit to doing so and where you are in that journey?
1: Um, I have always in life, I've, I've struggled with... um struggle with my weight um i come from a, a big southern family so you know we eat we ate like you know big southern people <laughs> you know, um you know your collard greens and mac and cheese your fried chicken yeah, you know yeah. all the you know whatever type of foods um you know so for me it's i've always had a, a struggle with uh my weight um you know there have been periods of time where i'm able to lose large amounts of weight and then, you know, put it back on and, you know, like a yo-yo type, up and down, up and down, up and down. And I realized that um, a lot of my eating was linked to stress. Like when I was incredibly stressed, some people turned to alcohol, some people turned to drugs. Uh, I would turn to food. Um, and, you know, in, in, in the way that I was raised in black families, you know, food is used for everything. When you, when you grieve, you eat. When you celebrate something, you eat. Um, when you're happy, you eat, and you're sad, yeah. you eat. You know, um, <clears throat> and you know. So I just really had to take a step back, especially um, after having kids. I remember after my wife had our son, I just remember packing on like a ridiculous amount of weight in a ridiculously short amount of time. Um, and I just finally looked at myself one day. It, it really wasn't even until after we had our she had our daughter that I really took a look at myself one day and. You know, I was just like, you know, I'm really unhappy um, with the way that I look. I'm um, really unhappy with the way that I feel. <clears throat> and I went to the doctor um, because I just really felt, really felt some type of way. And I, I actually got diagnosed. I was diagnosed with um, with depression um, and anxiety. So all of that was kind of just linked to me. You know, if I'm feeling down and depressed, what am I going to do, Jamar? I'm going to go eat, you know. So, you know, it was just a vicious cycle that I was in, a downward cycle. And I found myself, like, not having the energy or the wind to, like, pick up my son or to run around with him. Or, you know, there would be, like, fears that I would have about, like, you know, when he gets older, you know, if I continue going on the path that I'm going down, you know, putting on weight. Like, when he gets older, he's going to want to ride, like, roller coasters and things of that nature. What if I continue to eat this way and then I'm not able to, like, fit on a roller coaster or something like that, you know? Or like, uh, you know, going to the beach and like things of that nature, like having yeah. like, you know, anxiety or fears about like, you know, you know, going to the beach and, or, you know, things of that nature. So um, I, I, I sat down one day um and my wife, she was going through something similar. I won't, I won't speak to you know her her inner issues or whatever, but like she was going through something similar. And she actually got the ball rolling in our household as far as like the exercise and weight loss. Um, I guess you know we just both of us just really didn't want to you know feel this way, and we wanted to be around for our children. Um, so you know I just got up one day um, and I just started running, um, you know, and I, I just started there. Um, I would run like three miles a day. Uh, it would kill me, but I would do it. And, um, you know, uh, I'm just keeping it up. And I, I changed, uh, changed my diet, changing the way that I eat. Um,
0: you know, and I'm just,
1: that's it. I just took it one day at a time. And now I'm, uh, I'm at a place where I've, uh, I'm, I'm down 30 pounds. Um, that's since probably August or so of this year. Um, I'm going slow. You know, I'm going steady and typically in the past, like I'll lose like a bunch of rate really quickly and like gain it back. And this time I said, I don't want to do that. So I'm just taking it really slow and, um, you know, I'm still running. Um, I've, I've incorporated some other things into my workout um, regimen. Um, but again, I'm just taking it day by day um, and thinking about the end goal, which is, you know, to be around for my kids for as long as as long as I can.
0: I can be, you know? Yeah, man, that, that's great. And, you know, for all of us who know you, um, we're, we're extremely proud of both of you all for, you know, the the steps you guys have taken and the progress, it's, it's amazing to watch and it's inspiration to hopefully those of uh, the listeners who are dealing with some of the similar issues that you, you described. You brought something up, um, Paul, that's really interesting um, You when you were talking about growing up in, in a black family and culturally, you know, bad eating habits have been passed down for generations, and uh, oftentimes we we, uh, we put it on, oh, this just runs in my family, but in actuality, bad eating just runs in your family. Right. And, uh, you know, you talk about the Black church and just, you know, families in general, eating has been, you know, you look at the movie Soul Food. I mean, it's been something that has been, quote unquote, comforting um, to us culturally. And I, I just think about, you know, Fonte's album last year when he was talking about his father and how... He passed away and they went to the repass and ate, ate the same stuff that killed him. Yeah. And so, you know, how do we break those generational curses of of bad eating habits and not really taking care of your health um, that have been passed on and has a, have been accepted, you know, as a norm in, in our neighborhoods?
1: Oh, man. <clears throat> That's a question that might be a little bit above my previous <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, I can say for I can say what I what I what I have done, and I think that if if people take this mindset, it might help. Um, you know, I am one hundred percent convinced that, you know, I, you, you just said you were talking about how like you know you know this is the type of food that just you know it just runs in our family. This is just what we do. Or being big, this runs in our family. And what I had to do was take a step back and you know look at my relationship with food. I had to stop being concerned about the scale and dieting. And I just had to take a look at my relationship with food and figure out exactly why is it that I enjoy to eat, enjoy eating these foods? Is it because this is what we do or is there a deeper issue? Um, And I found um, that I have uh, an addiction to sugar. Um, And I personally believe that, you know, because of the types of foods that we as a community consume it could be something much deeper. It could actually be, um, you know, a, a partially an addiction. Um, and also, as I said, you know, a lot of people stress eat. And God knows as black people, we have been through, we have been through so much trauma and stress um, as a community for decades and decades in this country. Um, you know, and a lot of that stress and trauma um, is, is passed down in your DNA, you know. And, you know, a lot of us could be eating those foods just to feel comforted. Um, you know, but I think that you as an individual, you have to take us, we have to change the relationship that we have with, um, with food. Um, I was having a conversation with a family member of mine about this topic about, you know, eating better and trying to eat better. And the the person said to me, oh, well, you know, we're black. We just eat, you know, we eat anything. Mm -hmm. And, And I was like really taken aback by that because I'm just like, we, like you should like I understand, don't get me wrong, it's delicious food, but you know, at what point are we going to take a step back and really, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with it in moderation. Don't get me wrong, you know, but you have to take a step back and you have to want, you have to want a little bit more for yourself. Like, listen to, listen to that. We just eat whatever. You like, you only have one body. You know, like, you really have to take care of it. And I, and I think that you just have to take a step back and you know, again, change your relationship with with food. Figure out exactly what the root is. And also, there are you know, food is tasty without, you know, all of the extra things that we that we add into it. Um, I'm doing, uh, right now, I'm actually doing uh, the Whole30, um, like, yeah. now. Um, and that's essentially like, you know, cutting out sugar and cutting out, you know, carbs, uh, cutting out uh, whole grains and things of that nature, and alcohol and things of that nature. And, you know, that is what really helped me to realize that I had an addiction to sugar, um, you know. So what day are
0: you on? Say that again. What day are
1: you on? Uh, I am. This is my second round. I completed one. Okay. Yeah. So now this is my. I think this is my third day um, of my second round. Um, you know. So I think that we have to, as a community, like we just have to open ourselves up to different options and different ways to to eat. Like you know, this these are the foods that we grew up on. These are the foods that we're used to. But there's so many. You know different ways to eat there's so many different ways to prepare your food that can give you the same taste um you know but they can just but they're they're just a little bit healthier you know for you um you know i I think it's a it's a mixture of you know not knowing and a little bit mixture of just being comfortable you know
0: yeah i mean the the whole 30 i talked about in the opening segment that's what really got me started on on uh my journey and i credit sharice for for recommending uh, it and doing it with me, because that that was definitely um, the callus for my my beginning of me eating healthier. Yeah. Um, but you know, one of the things, Paul, you know, I just didn't want to be in my fifties, sixties, and seventies like so many men I knew or know, popping pills. You know, pulling out that Monday, Wednesday, Thursday uh pill box, you know, that white pill box of how many pills you gotta take every day. I just now did not want to be doing that when I got older. And I didn't want that to be um accept, I don't want that to be accepted as okay, you get older, you're gonna have these health problems. So, right. I mean, you we're setting a foundation now for that generational health um that hopefully will pass down and set an example for our kids to show that, you know, there's another way to, you know, eat good, but at the same time be mindful of, of what you're, what you're consuming. So what's, what's been the biggest challenge for you so far in your journey? Uh, finding the time to, uh,
1: (laughs) finding the time to actually get to the gym, um, finding the time to actually meal prep, um, which is, which is a key to any successful, um, lifestyle change. I think is preparation. Um, and also just getting out of my own way, um, you know, and and thinking, Oh, you know, you're not going to, it's not going to happen. You're not going to lose any more weight or, you know, oh, it's so hard. Oh, it's raining today. Uh, just relax. Oh, go ahead and eat that. You, you have a little cheat today. You know, just, just trying to get out of my getting out of my own way. I was I would actually say that's probably the biggest the biggest obstacle is, you know, not talking yourself out of doing what's best for you. It's kind of hard sometimes.
0: Going back to the point about you know generational curses uh, to that point, a lot of us. Uh, in our community don't like to go to the doctor we we're afraid of the doctor we only go when it's probably we're the absolute worst um why do you think that is and, and how can we change that in your opinion
1: hmm. um well speaking from at least from the aspect of, of being a man a, a black man um i think that I think it, uh, masculinity sometimes gets in our, or, or the perception of what is being a man can sometimes like get in our way. Like as men, we're supposed to just be able to, you know, to handle everything and we don't need to go to the doctor because, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I got it. Um, especially when it comes to like mental health. I know I, I had some issues like before, like I was saying before, like uh, when I was diagnosed with like depression and anxiety uh, a while back, you know, it took me some time to actually come to terms with, you know, there's something going on with me that's a little bit more than just I don't feel good or I'm not happy today or I'm tired. You know, it, it, it took me some time because I had to get over the stigma of, you know, being depressed. Or you know, when you when I I, I opened up to like some some people about that, you know, and they were like, oh, you know, who told you that? Or, oh, I don't I don't believe in that. Or oh, yeah. that's just in your mind. You know, so it, I know it's difficult sometimes as a man, you know, to having you know, someone else or admitting, you know, that something is is, is going on with you. Um, so I know that that could possibly, that, that's that's one thing that gets in a lot of our um, way as far as like seeking, you know, me- mental health issues. As far as medical, I, mean, I think that it goes back to, you know, a lot of uh, us thinking that these foods are just what we're supposed to eat. Like it's, it's, our, it's our culture. So there's nothing wrong with eating these things because this is just what we've always eaten. You know, yeah. and, and just being being complacent, um, you know, and I'm certainly not perfect all the time. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, if you don't think that there's anything wrong with eating these foods, then you're not going to think that you're not going to think that you need to go to the doctor to get, you know, your blood pressure checked or your cholesterol or a test for diabetes um, and things of that nature. Because, you know, why would I get that? This, this is what I'm supposed to eat. Why would you, why would I be concerned about getting sick from these things that I'm just supposed to be eating? Yeah, Um, and I know a lot in in the older generation. You know, a lot of people. It it really comes down to something as simple as a lot of older, you know, people in our community just don't want people in their business. They don't Mm. want the doctor in their in their business. You know, I I, it's a I I don't want to know if there is something going on. I don't want to know. I don't want anyone in my business. I don't want you know anybody to have to take care of me. You know, uh, you know it's just that that mindset as well. so, yeah, there are a lot of obstacles. Um, and, again, I just think it all comes down to just, you know, taking inventory of, you know, what's going on in your life and, you know, being honest with yourself. And, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting help, you know, whether it be mental health or physical health. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but, you know, we just have to remove that stigma.
0: Yeah. So so you mentioned, uh, Paul, the mental aspect of it. And for me, running is definitely... um a therapy that I use to work on my mental health. I can get out there for however long I want to run. I just check out. You know, it clears my head for any of the stresses I have going on for that day or for, for for that week. And I just am. It can. I can just zone out, and I'm just clearing my head. So I want to talk to me a little bit about how those two, how working on your your physical um, health has helped your mental health.
1: Uh sure. Um <clears throat> honestly, I feel like again go, just going back to um you know what you consume and being on the whole 30 um mm-hmm. on the whole 30 lifestyle. Like I just feel uh you know by cutting out certain things from my body, from my diet, I feel like I have mental clarity. I feel like yeah. I like processed food and a lot of sugar, um things of that nature they affect your they, they can affect the way that you think. I know if, when I eat like a lot of like crap. Like I just feel really bad. I'm like really down on myself. Like yeah. the way that I think is is completely different than when I'm eating healthily. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm able to have like you know, mental mental clarity. Um, so I know for me, you know, the combination of eating better and being cognizant of what it is that I'm putting into my body, and also being active and getting those endorphins going and running and the adrenaline and things of that nature. Um, you know, it it just you know, acts as, like, a, a formula, you know, for me to just to feel better about myself overall. Like I'm not just sitting on the couch, you know, looking at my kids and thinking, you know, oh, I'm never going to be able to change my life. And, you know, they're going to grow up and they're not going to be active because they're not going to see me being active. And, you know, I'm never going to be able to do these things with my kids. I'm never going to be able to ride a roller coaster. I'm never going to be able to do these types of things. You know, instead of sitting down and, like, you know, feeling bad for myself, you know, uh you know i'm up being active and it just really makes and i know that i'm actually doing i'm taking you know operative steps to um, improve my life for them um so i know for me like just knowing that i'm doing the right thing like really improves and affects my mood um and and, and you know it's and the thing with like depression and anxiety and even like addictions um again uh you know to sugar and things of that nature like these are, these are things that you constantly have to work on They never go away um, But if you put in the work They're definitely manageable And I, and it makes me feel good knowing that I'm actually working uh, to, to manage them
0: That's outstanding man We're talking about general, generational health today on the Fatherhood Podcast So Paul, how have the strides You've made since you began this journey Affected you as a father
1: um, I have more energy uh, To chase around Keston Uh <laughs> Um, I teach him, I try to, when I, when I speak with him, I, you know, I remember when I was growing up, like when I would do something, people would say to me, you know what, you're so smart or you're a smart kid or, you're so smart. Um, but I try to say to him instead, you know, you, when he does something good, I'll say to him, you know, that's great, man. You must've worked really hard on that. You know, it's because I want him to understand that, you know, working hard is the key to success, um, and the only reason why I'm able to, you know, lose weight or to eat better or things like that is from is from working hard, you know, from hard work. So it's definitely affected the way that that's not something that I necessarily understood until I really started putting into putting effort into into this journey. The the importance of of hard work over you know just you know natural natural ability. Um, you know, so I, I definitely try to impart that upon him. Um, my mood is better. Um, and when, you know, when you're happier, your whole household is happier, you know, your wife is happier, um, your kids are happier and everyone feeds off of, I feel like a lot of times with the husband and father, a lot of people, the household kind of feeds off of your energy, you know what yeah. I mean? So if you're giving off negative vibes, you know, you could, I could come in the house and have a complete attitude and it will have absolutely nothing to do with Danielle, but if I have an attitude, no matter what the attitude is about, that's going to affect her mood. Um, you know, if I have an attitude and the kids are like annoying me, that's going to affect their mood. You know, so it's it, I, I, it's definitely affected, you know, uh, my mental, my mentality, my attitude. I'm definitely more positive. Um, and I think that, um, you know, I just... Um, I believe, I believe in myself. I believe, you know, that I can accomplish certain things. And again, that's also contagious when you are, you know, when you have positive thoughts about yourself and you look at yourself in a positive way, you know, again, that, that's contagious amongst the household too. If I can have conversations with my, with my wife about, you know uh, you know, to uplift her and, you know, positive conversation with my kids because I'm in a positive state. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm just in a I'm, in a, I'm in a place of positivity, man. I'm just gonna keep going.
0: That's great, man. Paul, last question, man. I'll let you go after this. What do you hope that your kids um, learn from seeing you focus on this aspect of your life? Um, well, I didn't grow up um, an active kid, um, you know, so just the,
1: um, the journey of, you know, exercising and learning, you know, different ways to exercise and, you know, things of that nature. It, it's been a, a, a struggle for me, I'll be honest with you. Um, but hopefully my kids will grow up to be active kids. Um, as I was saying earlier, um, my kids will know the importance of hard work. And then in order to be successful um, and in order to have the things you want in life, you have to work hard for them. Um, I, I want my kids to know how important it is to love yourself. Um, I'm a firm believer in uh, the belief that you cannot fully love anybody else, whether it be your kids, your mother, your father, your wife, whoever, if you don't love yourself first. Um, and, you know, by taking care of your body and being mindful and cognizant of what you're putting in it, um, that is a form of loving yourself, getting up and exercising and moving your body. That's a thats a form of loving yourself. Um, and I just want my kids to, you know, uh, have their father, um, for course, for a very, very, very long time. I want my kids to know that I love them enough um, to get up uh, to to not be complacent or stuck or comfortable um, in a in a in a place of, of darkness. That I love them enough to uh, to get up and you know take the strides that I needed that I needed to take to be able to um, to be the best father um, that I can for them um, and the best uh, husband that I can be to their mother. Um, so, yeah, I just want them to take a look at me. I want them to be exa- – I want to be an example to them of the necessity to, to love yourself. Because to me, that's all that's – all this boils down to all the running, all the kale, all the, you know, all the no carbs, all of that. All that equals to me is loving yourself.
0: That's great, man. Paul, outstanding commentary, man, and much success on your continued journey. Uh, We are rooting for you, and you're inspiring to a lot of us. Uh, Before I let you go, man, tell people how they can find some of your writings, anything else you have going on. Just let the people know something about you.
1: Sure. Um, All right. So I'm on Instagram um, and Twitter at WhoIsPBrom, who is P-B-R-O-M. You can contact me via email, um, paulwroteit.com. uh, at gmail.com, um, I'm on Facebook under my name, Paul Bromley. Um, also on Medium.com, I have a blog there. Uh, you search my name again, Paul Bromley, B-R-O-M-L-E-Y. Um, there, you can also find my writing on uh, The Huffington Post, uh, vibe.com uh, I've also written for um, The Root and Very Smart Brothers. Um, so again, I'm out here, man. I'm out there, and hopefully this year I have. Um, I'm working on some other things. Um, I'm working on a blog personal blog that I hope to um, have off the ground uh, before the summer. Um, and I'm also um, considering entering the, uh, the podcast world myself. So, you know, I'm working on a couple of things and hopefully, you know, maybe I can come back on and talk about those things once I get them off
0: the ground. You're, you're, you're welcome anytime, man. I really appreciate you joining me on the Fatherhood Podcast.
1: Absolutely. And just one last note, Jamar. I just want to thank you, man, for, for this platform. I think it's great what you're doing. Um, I think that the voice of, of young black millennial fathers um, is super important. Um, and you know, I, 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 appreciate you for, for having this platform and for bringing me into it, man. What you're doing is great. I enjoy the show. Thanks a lot.
0: Appreciate it, man. Thanks again for joining me. I want to thank Paul for joining me on the fatherhood podcast today. And as always, thank you for listening. It's of the utmost importance that, that we as fathers prioritize our health. You know, we're not as young as we used to be, and we're definitely not invincible. And as we age, we have to get out in front of those health issues, you know, that threaten us as we get older. As far as eating habits, you know, there are many practices that have been passed down through generations in our community that we just need to unlearn in order to free ourselves from the bondage that has literally been killing um, our loved ones for years. It's up to us to make those those decisions that will benefit us so that we can be free both physically and mentally. As always, thank you guys for listening. Until next time, I'm Jamar Hudson, and this is The Fatherhood.